You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. And welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. I had to hold myself back from saying it. I know. It's, it's keep, an adjustment Keep working for me, on Paul. it. It'll take some time. You know? <laughs> it will the, uh, take some time. It, it, was, it, it became a ritual, and rituals are, you know, hard to change. And yes. humans need ritual. Yes. I, I like ritual. In fact, when you say it will take some time, I I just hear in my head, it just takes some time. Little girl, you're in the middle of the ride. Everything, everything will be just fine. And uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, it, I think that's some sort of like 2000-ish song. Yes, yeah. it is. I recognize enough aughts. of the lyrics. I, re- I recognize enough of the lyrics. And- and I, and I recognize that, you know, like most people, I'm stuck in my, you know, period of time. I like some music from before. I like, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s music, but uh, it kind of it ends right there. That's fair. It's the way it goes. You know what I was thinking we should do one day is um, every once in a while I hear a really good driving song. And we should invite people at some point to uh, to suggest their driving songs to us that they like, and we could review them. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, does that mean that you'll sing them? Oh, I'll sing them all. <laughs> oh no! And, you know, I think you can play a little bit of them if you're discussing them. You can play a little bit of them without copyright violation, like up you to ten seconds, so long as fair, there's a little legitimate discussion, which we would have. Fair so, comment, review, and critique exempt from copyright in Canada. Exactly. I won't nominate any of my own songs or any of your any of your songs, but I have a lot of driving songs. If anybody has a driving song, send us a text or, or a direct message. All right, then I'm gonna no? I'm gonna nominate my favorite Bare Naked Ladies song about driving. <clears throat> Will you? Which it's one like is a that? B-side. Um, oh. it's about a guy who dies while he's driving. How does it go? Driving home to be with you. But is it a good, is it a good driving song? Yeah, because it tells a story about a guy who dies in a car crash. But what makes it's a good driving emotional. song? That's not good. That's an emotional song. A good oh, driving song. You don't mean a song you, about driving. You, know, you mean a song to drive to. Well, yeah, we could do both. Oh. We could do both or either. Oh, I thought you meant a song Radar about love. driving. Radar love, golden earring. I've been driving all night. My hands wet on the wheel. Dun, 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 dun. There's I've a voice in my before. head that drives my heel. What? I've told you before. I don't know this song. And no. um, like like um, Mariah Carey, I don't care to know her. Oh, well, you used to listen to oldies, <laughs> and I'm afraid that is actually an oldies song now. It's from like the <laughs> 70s. I was going to say the 90s music is now considered oldies. So, no. oh, I know. <laughs> Painful. Um, anyway. anyway. Let's the, get on uh, to what people are going to learn today on the podcast, Paul, because they don't come here to listen to us just like wax poetic about driving songs. They come true. here to learn. Good. That's the reason we're here. Educators and, above all. 
the educators are going to educate you on our big election special because we have an election on Monday and we have not talked at all on this podcast about the parties, their platforms, how they relate to driving law, if they relate to driving law. And so that's going to be a big portion of the podcast today. Uh, then we're going to get into two recent court cases, one from the Quebec Court of Appeal that like changes the law, which is awesome. And then another one that is from the Alberta Provincial Court that has some pretty shocking conduct on the part of police and yet pretty shocking outcome, in my opinion. Yep. It's, uh, you know, over these last months, there's been all these things that we wanted to talk about. And uh, the Quebec Court of Appeal one is uh, is certainly right up there. So let's get right into it. Um, yeah, well, the, right into the election. Let's get right into the election because, hey, there's only a few more days until the election. Yeah. So you're like, listening to this podcast this weekend. We'll see if we change anybody's mind. Mm, not likely. <laughs> not are likely. Are you an undecided voter? today on, <laughs> yeah. on friday as you're listening before the, <laughs> on the election on monday on the driving law podcast is this going to change yeah. your mind when you find out the position of the of the uh well maybe the <laughs> green party <laughs> yeah, probably the sure. only ones outlaw cars I, I don't think they want to outlaw cars i think they just want to make cars more electric yeah probably let's not even talk about the green party as we've noted uh nobody's talking about the green party because everybody recognizes that they don't have a chance and that's unfortunate because i kind of like their leader and i don't know what led to the uh to the uh breakdown there but i suspect that uh racism is part of the problem and i don't yeah. quite I mean, i'm not sure but uh there was the like a lot of politics around the leadership race internally in the party leading up to all of this so i think that's part of it well, it's unfortunate because she's she's well-spoken and intelligent, and uh, I think she could have served them well, but I think she's going to be pushed out after the election. So that's the end on our on our party platforms to discuss. We're just crossing the Green Party off. Why don't we... Uh, okay, Green Party doesn't like emissions. Done. Yeah. I mean, the important thing here, right, is that the federal government isn't um, isn't governing roads and highways except in the criminal law, and then they're governing things about design and and manufacture and safety of cars but that's yeah it's you know, like that, transport canada safety it's, standards stuff yeah it's hands off like it's not there's going to be no change by any party but no you know, and it's, seen... it's also not an election issue right like nobody's getting votes by going out and saying you know we're going to regulate in transport canada regulations that uh, commercial drivers can only drive for 11 and a half hours in a shift instead of 12 hours in a shift because some studies have shown like nobody's going to be like, oh, well, that's swinging my vote. Mud and snow tires. It's got to be now either mud or snow. You can't have mud and snow. It's got to be mud or snow. Yeah, those yeah. things are not uh, are not going to change it the way anybody votes. But, you know, we've seen some pretty significant changes to impaired driving law, which should cause people to think about how they're going to vote, not because they're thinking, oh, you know, if I get an impaired, I'll be better off with one government or the other. But when people think about driving law, as we know, driving law drives the law. And mm -hmm. the significant incursions into our um, historic protections in the justice system have traditionally come in the realm of impaired driving law. 
No, it's easy to strip your rights away when they start with the drunk drivers. And to start us off, let's talk about the Liberal Party. They've been in power most recently, kind of. They had a minority, but before that, they did they have a majority? They had a majority, right? They had a majority. That's when Jody yeah. Wilson Raybould passed yeah. the changes to the code to bring the Section 320 and so forth. Yes. So we saw massive federal overhaul of impaired driving laws for the legitimately expressed, not legitimate, but legitimately expressed purpose, like it's not like they were lying about the reason, to simplify impaired driving prosecutions, which translates to make it easier to find people guilty of crimes. And the types of changes that they brought in are changes that are designed to reverse the burden of proof onto the accused, to limit your right to get disclosure of certain information, to limit the, uh, the ability to, to call witnesses, um, and to test the evidence in court. Things that, you know, I was talking to some of our American colleagues recently, um, and because uh, I'm on all these, you know, organizations in the US and so we always have these discussions and one of them was about um, about what we can and can't get and they were appalled they were relying on our case law um, from Stinchcomb from the Supreme Court of Canada that says you know you're entitled to make full answer and defense and the prosecution has to turn over everything that's relevant and they're like wow you must get so much stuff I'm like actually no See, Stinchcomb no longer applies to impaired driving prosecutions, thanks to the Liberals. Well, yeah, um, it's uh, amazing. There's lawyers in the States who have used Canadian law, Stinchcomb, which generally Canadian law is not going to be used, right? But it's the Supreme Court of Canada. Shout out to my pal Mike Tillotson. <clears throat> yeah, um, which is uh, uh, fascinating because they, they always talk about American law as central to American law. We don't look at foreign jurisdictions, but they did look at Stinchcomb. I think in Virginia, uh, and came to the conclusion, yeah, I guess we want to make sure that innocent people don't get convicted. So therefore, we're going to provide everything like they do in Canada, where we're so enlightened. Well, in Canada, <laughs> under the federal liberals, and you know, I, I will will just say off the top, I'm a you know a liberal supporter at this point in history. Uh, but under the liberals, that was Jody Wilson-Raybould was our justice minister. Uh, we mm -hmm. got rid of the federal government, changed the law to make it so you cannot get the information, the evidence that is necessary in cases of a breath sample to prove your innocence. Now, I uh, blamed Jody Wilson-Raybould at the time, and I still do because she was still the architect of it. But when they installed David Lametti into her position, he didn't make any better changes. Well, politicians are not good at apologizing. Back. Politicians oh, are not Jason good at Kenny, Jason Kenny actually apologized yesterday, which shocked me. Did you listen to it? Did no. you listen to it? It wasn't an apology. No, I just heard it was an he apology, apologized. and then he then it was qualified, and then he ah. blamed Albertans uh, ah. and uh, not himself for being an uh, anti-vaxxer, COVID denier at the start, um, no. and denying there was a problem. No, he turned no. it around, and then he said it's been the same in every province, and then apparently Dina Hinshaw. Um, and the day before, put up graphs for the uh, when she gave her briefing to the um, whoever it was the, the College of Physicians and Surgeons or whoever it was, she put up a mm -hmm. bunch of graphs making it look like every jurisdiction had the same thing, but the um, the uh, th they used a different metric for each one. They no. they made it so the graphs would look like they all had the same thing. Everyone no. was different. 
Um, and uh, so you, you can't trust Jason Kenny at all. I think Jason Kenny, I would say right now, is a liar. Um, yep. I, but getting politicians to apologize um, is one thing. Getting them to change the legislation is another. And we've seen no fix. Um, I, I will say for Lametti and yeah. the Liberals, but on something that we've touched on as being tangentially related to driving law in the area of like provincial jurisdiction being able to regulate it following the blah, 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 Sevilla, as you know, yeah. the federal government did make or, or try to make, um, hasn't passed them because they decided to call an election instead and a big power grab. Um, they, they did make uh, progress towards removing some mandatory minimum penalties for simple possession and, and drug and firearms offenses. Well, yeah. And the instruction across the country has been not to prosecute uh, simple possession of, of any drugs. So, yes. so you can <clears throat> you can thank them for that. Um, so I guess they've, they've come to have sympathy for the uh, people who are suffering addiction to drugs. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some less sympathy for the people who are addicted to alcohol, which is also a drug and it's a disease, alcoholism. Yeah. But they're um, only sympathetic mm -hmm. to the drug addicted individuals insofar as they don't get behind the wheel of a car because remember they put all those presumptions in in relation to the drug recognition evaluation test aka junk science to talk about how the drug recognition evaluation test and the the results of that test would presume your guilt um, if the officer identified the same drugs that showed up in your urine sample well uh fascinating thing with that um for a number of reasons. Those presumptions have not been tested. Uh, you're waiting for a file for, with which to test it. You would love to go yeah. to the Supreme Court of Canada on that issue, but you would have to lose and you haven't lost any of them. Uh, uh, well, not only would I have to lose, but I'd have to lose and then I'd have to lose the appeal and then I'd have to lose at the Court of Appeal. Well, that part's guaranteed. <laughs> and then well, I'd have the to- BC Court of Appeal, lead. you're gonna lose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's the Liberals. What about the Conservatives, Paul? Well, we didn't finish the last thing that I am oh. reluctant to touch on there, and that is mandatory breath testing. Mm. Because mm. you and I presented, I, I don't know if I was at the Senate or Parliament, you presented to the Senate, I know that for sure. I presented to something there, one of those committees there, we went to Ottawa, um, and explained why it was unconstitutional. And there was a bunch of things that were changed after you and I and Michael Spratt presented. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the Senate removed the mandatory breath testing on your recommendation, uh, and then Parliament put it back in. And you and I were firmly of the belief that it would be found unconstitutional in a charter argument. But and then yet what happened? It hasn't been. It, it hasn't been. Well, I know. But the bigger issue, I mean, it was, it was argued once in Saskatchewan, and I don't think the argument was put forward fully and it was in provincial court it wasn't argued in a uh, superior court level a provincial court can't strike it down in any event they could only just choose not to apply it i think but um so i think the expectation was that it would go higher and the evidentiary record wasn't there but what happened what happened we had a pandemic where police can't yeah. get in close to people's faces to smell their breath and so now this horrible mandatory breath testing scheme the government's got the best argument ever we, we wouldn't have been able to enforce any impaired driving cases during the pandemic, but for the mandatory breath testing scheme. 
The problem with that yeah, argument, right. of course, is the problem with that argument is that they're not doing that many mandatory breath tests. Officers yeah, are also, still gathering a suspicion. So, also, how many files have you read during the pandemic where the officer's like, I could smell a strong odor of liquor coming from his breath, even though he was wearing a mask and I was wearing a mask too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. No, you or, couldn't. You know, the, no. the older, older, well, we've had lots of people with medical problems um mostly women but with some significant medical problems where they haven't had anything to drink and the police are still claiming that they did so yeah <laughs> if, if i were a judge can still lie <laughs> if i were a judge and an officer said that in court like a crown put an officer on the stand and asked them <clears throat> about that and they said that my eyes would roll so far back in my head they would acquit the guy yeah um <clears throat> yeah yeah my eyeballs i got it. entering an acquittal <laughs> your eyeballs entering an acquittal <clears throat> anyway uh so mandatory breath testing that was the final thing now let's go to the conservatives back in uh so a little bit of history this goes back before you kyla before your time before i was born yep i'm uh, i've been around a while um when i started <clears throat> the criminal code provisions with respect to impaired driving breath testing uh, had been the same for a long time. They changed numbers at one point. It went from like 238 to 252, um, mm -hmm. whatever. Now it's 320. But uh, the provisions were almost identical, right? Everything, mm -hmm. everything went along because it made sense. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, all charter tested and had been charter tested over a long period of time. They upped the mandatory fine at one point. They from upped 600 the mandatory to 1,000. Well, it was went from three hundred to six hundred to a thousand. It went from three months to a one-year driving prohibition um, right. as well. So the punishment went up, but the legislation itself stayed the same, and it was tested, and we all knew what it meant. And you could find cases going back to the seventies, and all of those things applied. But the most important thing that we had was the was the catch-all protection of the innocent, right? Because the whole purpose of the over 08 provisions was okay. Over 08, we all assume that everybody's close enough to being impaired at over 08 you're not testing them immediately at the roadside you're always testing them afterwards so over 08 is you know sort of also assumes some elimination potentially um and uh, and you know those provisions permitted a challenge to the readings basically the innocence defense so mm -hmm. the readings can be wrong for a, a thousand reasons which seems to have been forgotten um breath tests can be inaccurate for reasons that i mean we could have four or five shows on that but you and i have <laughs> we, we get tired of it almost ourselves um but that seems to have been forgotten uh, and in the old cases in the old law we had what was called the carter defense which was if you could you know if the crown called the evidence to prove that you're over 80 milligrams you could call evidence to show how you could not have been over 80 milligrams that the readings are wrong for one reason or another and it could be just your drinking pattern if mm -hmm. believed uh you know you've got the receipts this is what you had to drink you went out after work you had one glass of wine you you blew 120 it's impossible the readings are wrong because of partition ratio or or uh, instrument problem or whatever mm -hmm. that would be it you'd be acquitted well the conservatives got rid of that and they wrote legislation saying, I don't remember all the things that you had to prove, but it, the onus switched to the accused right from the start. 
Um, you had to prove that the that the instrument was malfunctioning. You had to prove what your blood alcohol concentration was. You had to show why the instrument got to that, something along that line. I can't remember now. But that was the conservatives did that. And it came into effect the 1st of July, 2008, making, the, making it so you could not impeach the reading, even if you're innocent, which was really shocking. And of course, that led to people starting to get disclosure, showing problems with the instrument, which led to the liberals changing the law so you couldn't get the disclosure. Yep. So and the conservatives, that was Harper's government. That was just like mad was in there, had the government in their pocket. I was, I was trying to explain this to a prosecutor today um, because <laughs> they were disputing with me. I said, we have two impaired trials for the same client. And I said, well, they're three days each. So, well, we couldn't possibly both be three days. And I said, yeah, 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 they are. I mean, even a one witness impaired is probably three days because you have, you know, you're going to be the morning in your examination in chief. And then I'm going to get up and I'm going to be the rest of the day and into another day in cross-examination. That's just on the voir dire. And then after that, we have argument. And I'm half a day in argument, probably at least an hour. And then you go, and then I reply, and then the judge is going to want to think about it. And if they don't throw out the readings, then we're going to have argument on science and the, the science I can get and the problems that I can prove. Um, and we're going to have arguments on the constitutionality of certain limits on disclosure. And then, you know, even if we overcome all of those hurdles, then there's an argument on whether or not you can prove the impaired driving count. So yeah, it's three days. And the only reason that it's three days is because they keep whittling away the defenses, which means that people like me keep looking for more defenses finding more defenses and thinking more creatively about the charter, which means more litigation and longer time. They're not simplifying the prosecution. They're just making the defense work harder for it. Which is a fascinating thing when you think about it. Okay. So you think about the manner in which you and I come at impaired driving trials. You know, we changed everything in our thinking when, you know, I did when the conservatives made that change, because I started looking at, at device problems and scientific problems whereas before i was just looking for problems in the steps of the investigation right mm -hmm. um and what did we do we opened up a can of worms i mean i opened up the can of worms when i explained in a video the problem with the five-way valve and the bac data master c and then in yep. another video um and then i started looking for those problems more and i kept finding them in in records in police stations that i i made fois to totally backed up everything i I, I came to with my theoretical concern. Um, and I don't think anybody in Canada looked at that at all. And mm -hmm. when I started explaining it to people in the States, they didn't have an inkling of that, but they had uh, knowledge about many other problems. And interestingly, if you start going back in the literature, you find that a lot of this stuff was identified in Canada in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and everybody forgot about it. Yep. And part of it is, I think, our lab. I no longer have the same confidence. I used to have this arrogant confidence in a Canadian science and Canadian RCMP lab. I don't have that anymore. Don't have no that. No way. Uh, I, think, I think Greg Willis, I'm shouting out all my uh, favorite American friends here, but I think uh, my friend Greg Willis, because he took down a lab. And all he did by doing that was make me want to take down the lab. And I'm going to do it, Paul. I'm going to take down the lab. 
well, hey, you've already got Health Canada under your uh, under your thumb now from your mm -hmm. big decision from a few years back. So I think that should be our election wrap up. Um, there's the two parties. Well, what about the, the NDP? <clears throat> well, the NDP are irrelevant. I mean, they're just the kingmaker, right? They're either gonna they're either gonna participate and and prop up the conservatives, or they'll prop up the liberals. <laughs> Whoever ends up with a minority, and it looks like it's probably knew, gonna be a minority. Probably, I, I worry I it could be a minority were, conservative government. I knew you were gonna take this position on the NDP, and I was all prepared. I was like, yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out all of the NDP's platform stuff about driving law issues. Do you want to know what there are? I, I can guess, but you just go right ahead and tell me. None. Yeah. I know. No. I, I, I proposed the topic knowing full well that you wouldn't find anything. Yeah. You you just proposed a topic to get me shut up about the NDP because you think I'm an NDP supporter, but I am not because I'm not a member of any political party and never have been and never will be. Well, you seem to be much more sympathetic to them. And I think it's just because maybe you like the Rolex watch on the socialist. I don't know. I'm, I'm, Look, I'm less supportive. Look, kind of cute, first of all. And second of all, I love an underdog. That's true. You do love an underdog. At this point, uh, unfortunately, the federal liberals might be the underdog. But maybe not now after uh, Aaron O'Toole coming out and not answering a single question about his support for Jason Kenney's approach to the pandemic. Um <laughs> That could be the end of Aaron O'Toole. I'm sure Kenny was hoping, hoping, hoping to wait until Tuesday uh, to do this. And one wonders how many more hundreds of Albertans would have died. Uh, I think he waited knowing that Albertans were dying for political purposes, mm -hmm. not wanting to uh, damage Aaron O'Toole's chances of success. And um, now I think, uh, you know, Kenny, Kenny was facing, I don't know, uh, people storming the legislature and this time it'd be legit i don't know i just Anywho. wonder where they came from but i just assume that like i don't believe that Aaron o'toole and jason kenny are different and also not related and i think that there's like a pool of primordial ooze and they kind of just emerge from it and then enter politics that could be i mean jason kenny oozes of ooze <laughs> i just find him okay. so repulsive i find him so repulsive let's Ugh. move on paul our well that's the end special. of our politics wrap-up that's the politics <laughs> wrap-up we've got to move on to the case law wrap-up now pra practically our time on the podcast here <laughs> well maybe we should so cut it down should we talk about one case or two you know what maybe let's just talk about one case we'll leave the shocking case for next week because it's kind of timeless um yeah the issues in that case, but the issues in the case that I sent to you this afternoon are much less timeless and much more important for our listeners to know. Well, you've been talking about it for two months, and so you've told oh, me about yeah. it for, for whatever for some period of time. I, was I like, know, yeah, but okay, you haven't about it. been around. I haven't engaged. I haven't engaged about it. I was holding back for the podcast. It's been hard to get guests. Anyway. This is a decision sent to us while we're shouting out our friends, sent to us by our good friend Ulrich Gauthier out of um, Quebec. Uh, it is Mon a case- Montreal, incredibly, yes. incredible impaired driving lawyer, brilliant guy. Oh, smart. And really so much fun. <laughs> he, and also like the classiest dude you'll ever meet. He came here when we arranged for Lance Platt to come and teach us drug recognition evaluation. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so he actually flew out to BC for that purpose. It was lovely. But uh, yeah. yeah, great guy. And, and largely connected to the history of uh, impaired driving law in Canada. Because, of course, he's in Montreal, so he's close to where the action is. We're out here on the West Coast, and we just have to sort of hope that somebody keeps us uh, connected. Anyway, go ahead. So this case deals with delay in doing the approved screening device, either demand or test. It doesn't really matter. Um, And the way that the law has been trending, as you know, and as many of our listeners probably know, has been that as long as the demand is given and the test is conducted within a reasonable amount of time, and sometime, like sometime, yeah, and the police are sort of legitimately like, doing something, kind of prompt, and and you know, there's there's something, some explanation for it. Um, that as long as there's that, then it's okay if it's not done forthwith or immediately. In compliance and, with the criminal code. You can do it not in compliance with the criminal code so long as you're trying to do it. Yeah. Um, hmm. And there were sort of two decisions that came out of the Quebec Court of Appeal that were like the impetus of this. The first one was in 2005, a case called Pettit or Petit, um, but everybody's been pronouncing it Pettit in the English speaking Canada. Wrigley and has his own pronunciation. Yeah, Wrigley's pronunciation is rough. Uh, sorry, I think there was someone at or near my gate because um, it's his. It's his somebody's outside bark. Um, mm. Anyway, and the other one was a case called Piazza. Um, similar situation, um, also a Quebec Court of Appeal decision, uh, and that one more recent from 2018. And both of those cases um, essentially held that a wait of up to 15 minutes could be valid depending on the circumstances. And so this brings us to 2021. The Quebec Court of Appeal uh, is considering a summary conviction appeal um, where uh, actually he, uh, an appeal of a summary conviction appeal decision that had acquitted uh, a guy who was originally found guilty. Wait, no, the other way around. The summary conviction appeal uh, judge found him guilty uh, after he was acquitted at trial. Um, on the basis of an invalid ASD demand. And the case is called BRO, B-R-E-A-U-L-T. It's 2021 QCCA 505. And Canley has a very helpful English translation published on their website. So you can get it not only in English, but also in French. Unofficial English translation, but thank goodness for it. God bless Canley. Um, because Canley uh, has produced this unofficial English translation, we can bring it to you on the podcast. So yeah, we wouldn't be doing it otherwise, or we wouldn't be doing it with the same level of quality. So it's yeah. an interesting case because there's a yeah. so there's a guy on an ATV, and no, 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 uh, he's the even more interesting part though is the legally interesting part. Well, yeah, before I know, you get to the facts. But people have to always have a little bit of the story, right? Well, I want to, but I want to, one thing before you get to the story. Oh, you know what? Yeah. So the setup for it. The setup. This is a five judge panel of the Quebec Court of Appeal. So what happens when you go to a Court of Appeal, for those of you who are listeners who don't go to the Court of Appeal ever, normally you get three judges. And when three judges of the Court of Appeal get together and make the law on something, that's the law. And they can't overturn each other. Three judges can't go, you know what? Those other three judges were wrong. Uh, so we're going to decide something different. The only way the Court of Appeal can change a judgment of three judges 
like so a previous rule um, in another case is if they convene a panel of five judges because five is more than three so obviously it's better um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous they, it's embarrassing it's i can't defend the justice system but this is the way it works yeah, this is the law i don't make the law i just work within it um and and so they convened in this case a five judge panel to consider their prior judgments in the case of mr bro and it's interesting so because they were they were like asked to convene a five judge panel. The chief judge uh, assigned a five judge panel. They must have read the the arguments first and then assigned a judge five judge panel with the full intention that they were going to do something different. Yeah, or, or do something different, or really badly confirm something that sucked. Because that was yeah. the other danger, right? You get your five judges, and the five judges are all like, "No, no, no, those other three judges." In those other two cases they were right so yeah. this is really extra of the law now <laughs> so the only so way it could go higher right is if it goes to the supreme court of canada and this is interpretation of, of criminal well this may not this was interpretation of of criminal law and interpretation of criminal law from a, a high level of court like the quebec court of appeal is likely going to be applied across the country and was this was vigorously applied, particularly in Alberta. Um, the uh, these these lower cases, the uh, petite pizza, I call them. Um, <laughs> All <laughs> two, right. Two so decisions. ATV. ATV guys on an ATV, and uh, some people phone him in, and when the police arrive, he's off the ATV walking around, and so they detain him, and they confirm that he's got an odor of liquor on his breath, and somebody else confirms that he's a driver, and so they make an ASD demand but they don't have an approved screening device there. They don't have a breath uh, roadside breath tester. Um, and they know that they can't get one there for like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. And so, you know, it comes to this guy's attention or not uh, that they can't get the device there. Uh, and the device is supposed to be there under that version of the legislation forthwith, the demand supposed to be forthwith, the sample taken forthwith um, comes to his attention or doesn't, doesn't matter really. He says, no way, I'm not fucking blowing. Mm -hmm. um, and the question is, is this a lawful demand? Uh, mm -hmm. And the court goes and looks through their previous decisions and comes to the conclusion that their previous decisions were wrong. Yes. And I love the setup of a, a Quebec Court of Appeal judgment because they start with like what they're appealing and then they actually give what's happening in the first six paragraphs. So you don't have to read on to know what happens. I will read the first, well, the paragraphs three to six to you, Paul, because it tells They're you everything so you need to know. Yeah. The court yeah. allows the appeal, quashes the judgment of the Superior Court dated February 21st, 2020, as well as the judgment of the Municipal Court of the City of Quebec dated June 26, 2019, directs a judgment of acquittal to be entered, declares that Pettit no longer has precedential value. They overturn themselves and they're like, this case is no longer good law. It does not have any weight. You cannot rely on it as a precedent. They essentially said that case no longer ceases to exist in the fabric of law. Love it. Yeah, which is fascinating because you think of all the people across Canada who have been convicted on the basis of that. Of yeah. that. Um, those are just wrongful convictions. They were people who were wrongly convicted if it was a circumstance that was similar to this 
And the first line of the actual reasons for judgment is the most beautiful statement I have ever read in a judgment in my career. It is simple, but it is clear. Forthwith means forthwith when referring to breath samples. So That's ultimately, it. ultimately, the I mean, they, they go through and they break it down, right? It's not mm -hmm. a lawful demand if they can't take the test lawfully. It then becomes yeah, they, an unlawful demand. And it's not an issue of... Back... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, they go back to the Supreme Court of Canada's judgment in um, Burnshaw, which was the very oh, first case that looked at whether or not you could delay an ASD. And the Supreme Court of Canada is like, well, okay, obviously, like, it's supposed to be done immediately. But if you can't do it immediately, because there's some reason related to the proper operation of the device um, that would result in a wrongful arrest, then the potential consequences of wrongfully arresting somebody, taking them back to the station, having them provide furtive breast samples, detaining them for hours, potentially, and possibly um, subjecting them to all of the, you know, scrutiny that goes along with that and the stigma that goes along with being arrested for impaired driving, that's like way worse than suspending their right to counsel for 10 or 15 minutes to allow time for residual mouth alcohol to dissipate. But the Supreme Court of Canada said in Burnshaw, which seemed to have fallen away, that's only the only justification for not doing it immediately. And you have to tell the person why you are not doing things immediately. None of this, of course, happened in Mr. Bro's case. There was no justification. They didn't have the ASD. They didn't tell him that either. And they were just like, we're just going to wait. Well, if you go back to, uh, to Burnshaw, um, the point of the, of the delay there was in order to take a sample that is suitable for analysis. Yeah. Uh, so it was part of the, of the making it charter compliant. It's got to be Section 8 suitable for analysis. So that's mm -hmm. the purpose of the delay. Your 10B right is suspended. You're held there at the roadside, not because they don't have an ASD and they're driving one from another town, not because the ASD they've got is, is broken and they're going to find another one, or they're just, you know, messing around doing something that's not related to the reliability of the test. That is now, in the end, the only reason to delay after this yeah. decision. And... The interesting thing is they also speak to, I mean, they recognize in, in Quebec, it's been recognized for a long time that forthwith meant immediately. In BC, it was recognized for a long time that forthwith meant immediately, not in Alberta. Forthwith sure. was like, well, we'll get around to it. Um, you know, it, it, there's, Alberta is a bit of a standout when it comes to impaired driving law. Um, standout no, is a word for it. Nobody looks at <laughs> Saskatchewan or Manitoba much. Um, but uh sorry Saskatchewan and Manitoba but um, uh, but Manitoba has the impaired driving capital of Canada I know Brandon um that doesn't mean they have the uh, impaired driving uh defense capital of Canada it could just be everybody mm. pleads guilty but the point is the Quebec Court of Appeal in this pro decision said you know they, they said and even look in the new version of it it says immediately the new yeah. version of the law yeah so they, they look were at the criminal code they're like what does Parliament intend here? Oh, they made it even more clear. Yeah. So this there is fascinating no because it's not, I don't think it's going to get to the Supreme Court of Canada because I think courts across the country are going to recognize it. The problem is that 
there's going to be a lot of police officers not doing what they need to do, which is, mm -hmm. is make the demand now, take the test yep. now, unless there's a reason related to the reliability of the test. That is the only justification for the delay. And, yeah. you know, I've ended up in uh, even recently talking to police officers who don't seem to recognize that they think that the law is settled. The law is not settled. I feel really bad for all the people across this country who have not had the benefit of this. And I think, um, you know, we in law don't talk about this very often, uh, but innocent people get convicted and innocent people in this country who have been in this circumstance where the police have delayed uh, for whatever reason, including to get a, an ASD there, have been convicted and they shouldn't have been, and their lives have been destroyed. And the Quebec Court of Appeal, I'm glad for the decision, but it also feels somewhat hurtful and insulting because, you know, you and I have taken this position for a long time, whatever, you know, we haven't been charged, but we've had clients who have faced this circumstance and we're lucky. I can't think of anybody who we've had who was convicted because we found something else, but we've had this decision that we've had to deal with. And, mm -hmm. you know, how long will it take before lower courts in Alberta recognize this? Does there have to be another conviction and then go up the line before the Alberta Court of Appeal says, yeah, you know, uh, we recognize this decision in Bro? Um, will it have to go to the Supreme Court of Canada just as a, you know, application for leave uh, dismissed, hopefully, uh, if somebody does that? Um, you know, it's, it's, well, it's, it'd be a, it'd be a Crown appeals the Supreme Court of Canada, so it would have to be on what's the it have to be like a an unreasonable verdict. No, wait, I forget what the law is. No, not that. when it's a, not not when it's from the Court of Appeal. But the the point is that they've got a unanimous five uh, yeah uh, five judge panel. Uh, if they do appeal, it will likely just be um, it'll be cases that uh, that shouldn't have gone to the Supreme Court of Canada and didn't. Huh. Uh, well, it'll be featured on cases that should have gone to the Supreme Court of Canada, but didn't. If it doesn't get leave, if the Crown does seek leave, because I would like the Supreme Court of Canada to confirm it so that no judge in Alberta feels empowered to go, yeah, but that's Quebec and they speak well, French. I'll tell you right now, there's, there's, there are uh, Crown prosecutors in Alberta and there's Crown prosecutors probably in other parts of the country that are telling lawyers who may not know about it uh, you know, that this delay doesn't matter because they're allowed to have 15 minutes because that's sort of what the, the uh, petite pizza cases suggested. Um, and there's people who have pled guilty across the country. Uh, Never when there's been guilty. ASD delays. Call me. Yeah. Uh, it always worries Wait, well, me. And in Alberta, if I tell you to plead guilty, because if I'm know, telling you to plead Alberta, guilty, there's no you hope. could have that delay and they might admit it under 24 2 in any event. But that's a topic mm -hmm. for next week, I think. First, that's we need to deal with something week. else. Yes. Something else entirely, like <gasps> things you shouldn't so do. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You stopped me. I was going to do the announcement. The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. Honk, honk. This one, this Paul. Is, this one's yeah. great. Well, I sent it to you. These are things you shouldn't do. We're really in an impaired driving, uh, impaired driving uh, topics this week, aren't we? 
today is the big impaired week. Um, so this is in Durham, uh, in Toronto. Durham Regional Police get called to a report uh, by an officer who's inside who sees a guy in a red Cadillac and he's just kind of like driving around in circles in a parking lot, which I think maybe might the officer going and investigating this might be an unlawful stop because there's nothing saying you can't drive around in circles in a parking lot. He's not doing donuts. He's just driving in circles. Well, I think there could be reasons to investigate it, but I think more than anything, it was the location. What was wrong with the location? Did I miss something? Yeah. The parking lot. Yeah, it was the parking lot of the police detachment, Kyla. Oh, I didn't realize it was the police detachment parking lot. That makes it even yes. better. He was oh, doing as, circles in a Cadillac the in the Central parking West lot Division. Okay. at the police detachment. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy pulls in the parking lot and just starts driving around in circles in the parking lot. And they're looking out the okay. window and they're going, what? What's going on? <laughs> and so they go okay. And apparently they conducted an impaired driving investigation and their tweet says, uh, don't drink and drive, but especially don't drink and drive and do this. And I was wondering about that because, I mean, they're always looking to make it easier for themselves, right? And how easy think, can you get? I liked the part where they told him to stop and he doesn't stop. He just keeps driving slowly and then starts flashing his headlights at them. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe he, he's, he's looking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a very peaceful maybe he's way. looking to launch a constitutional yeah. challenge to some impaired driving laws and he wants to get stopped so that he can have standing yeah well it'll be interesting to see how long it took them to get an asd there <laughs> do you remember the case we had we once had a case where the a guy is stopped in the parking lot of a police station and appears to be intoxicated and it's all captured well, on video. I don't know what he appeared, but he, he hit a car. Well, according to the uh, officers, he appeared and to there be was, intoxicated. And there was video, and he was in the parking lot for some time, and police officer walks out carrying his bags, looked like at the end of his shift or something, and he looks at the guy, and he sort of shakes his head, and I think he turned around and walked back in. Yeah, it I was like know, the, literal, the, the literal depiction mm -hmm of when you read that somebody noped on out of there. That was what the officer did. It was like, nope, <laughs> do not got time for that. Yeah, it's like you've walked into the conversation <laughs> in, the, in, in the office in the coffee room that you really don't want to be a part of right now. They just turn yeah. around and walk out. Um, yeah, that's what it looked like. Anyway, the, uh, it, was a, it was a botched investigation. And, uh, my client was acquitted. I just kind of uh, or it, or it like, was it was negotiated out somehow because it looked so bad. I felt sorry for everybody involved. The guy um, taunting the shit out of the cops and the police car. That's just beautiful. Yeah, not so funny. I'm so sorry about my dog. He's. Just I can't very... believe you missed the important thing that it was in the parking lot of a police detachment. I mean, it was I pretty it was ridiculous. A mall. I when oh. it said Central West, I just assumed that was the name of a mall. No, no, it was in the police detachment, in the police detachment. So that's great. That was a great ridiculous driver of the week. Mm -hmm. Kyla. That's our podcast. Time, time to wrap this up. Exciting podcast yeah. we had this week. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a great podcast. I really enjoyed it. And uh, shout out to all the great people at Brazen Bull Creative who put together this podcast. It's my last shout out for the podcast. Um, and 
if you need to get a hold of us, you can find us online at vancouvercriminallaw.com or give us a call uh, on our new number because we have a new number. Your exciting new number. Exciting new yeah, number. It's a great it number. It's a great number. Yeah. We have a great number. A we, have more than, we have more than to we have justice. Two, two toll-free numbers now. You can choose yeah, one or the other. One's, this one's the best toll-free number. It is 1-866-IRP-KYLA. It's a great number. It's a great number. Great so call number. that number or direct message us if you've got a uh, driving song you want us to consider. Um, and uh, otherwise, next week, we're probably going to be talking about Hot Rod Lincoln. All right. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.